Welcome to Upstage Downstage with him, Richard Platt, seated in the upper circle. And him, Stephen Reed, typically seated in the cheap seat. This is the Theatre Podcast, where we discuss productions we've seen, things we've liked, and may not have liked, giving our complete unprofessional and non-biased opinions. So grab a brew, take a seat, and, and let's raise, raise that, that curtain. curtain. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Drive Your Plough Over the Bones of the Dead. We saw this production at Nottingham Playhouse on the 4th of April, 2023. World-renowned company, Complicite, returned to our stage with a brand new production based on a Nobel Prize-winning writer, Olga Tokarczuk's darkly comic novel directed by Simon McBurney. So Richard, what's it all about? Uh, In the depths of winter in a small community on a remote Polish mountainside, Men from the local hunting club are dying in mysterious circumstances and Janina, an eccentric older woman, environmentalist and devoted astrologer, has her suspicions. She has been watching the animals with whom the community shares their isolated rural home and she believes they are acting strangely. But first, our post-show opinion! An engaging and spectacular piece of theatre. Complex and thrilling stagecraft. So with all that said... Let's set the scene. So, Stephen. What? <laughs> Can't I just drink my cup of tea in peace? Well, you wanted to record. I pressed the button. I know, but it's been like half an hour. I've got to sleep. I've got a ticket issue on um, on aisle on, a, on a, row A. I think you've got a speech issue as well on row B. <laughs> Can you stop eating them... them Ginger nuts noisily. Right, well, as you gobble your ginger nuts, I shall uh, set the scene. We were presented with a bare stage with what looked like several seats in the background in the distance, different sorts of seats. And then at the very front part of the stage was just one microphone with two or three post-it notes, different colours on there. I thought we would... We were going into Antiques Roadshow because we've got different chairs, like you know, yes, and, uh, it, it, which are all going to be for sale. It, it, I did wonder what they were for, actually. And then with the whole mic being there, I thought, oh, is this like a stand-up show? Is this going to be like, uh, have we come to a TED talk? I was like, what we're we letting ourselves in for? Oh, I know. You know. And also, we weren't sat next to each other, so we couldn't keep each other for company. Sometimes it's not a bad thing. Chatting. Sometimes <laughs> we do need the distance, I suppose. Yeah, every so often. Yeah, too many egos going on. He goes there, and he goes there. <laughs> I go here, and you go there. I don't know why I did that again. Yeah, I think from what I know from Complicity Theatre, they, they do a lot of misdirects, and this was very much a walk into a theatre that you just you really don't know what's going to happen in front of you. Yeah, yeah. and I think it, it stems from the fact that we've, seen a few shows where it starts minimalistic yeah. and then starts adding to the piece yeah. at the background so you know um, incidentally I think Red Ellen started like this as well and look how yeah. that turned out yeah <laughs> I, think, I think the I think the key thing to this is is it a key thing because there's a key thing there might be a lot of key things yeah. I think it's a key that'll be your logo we're going to have to print t-shirts in fact I'm going to start selling Richard t-shirts where it's the key thing is or that's the key Look, I've got the key and I've got the secret. secret. <laughs> I don't know what secret or what key you've got, but it's well, certainly not making this be recorded any quicker. Secrets are secrets for a reason. Oh. 
Not what you told me. I know, in a way, in a way, that's that's sort of key to this. <laughs> <laughs> is it Please a Yale think. key? What kind of key is it? I think it's more like a mortis lock. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a seven-point locking system. You know, Just we don't need to go unlock there. Unlock your thoughts and spew it out, please, for God's sake. Oh, there are no thoughts, so fair enough. <laughs> Completely blank. <laughs> okay, so the key to this show is... Well, we're stealing now, aren't we? Well, I thought I'd get it in there. Well, you have to put the get it in to unlock it. Wow. <laughs> What's in this tea? <laughs> well, as you chose to death on your ginger nuts like you just dunked in your tea, I shall continue. So we have the lead character coming out. Now, she plays um, Janina. Well, I say she plays. Let me just um, tell you the actress's name. I did have it a moment ago. So Amanda, Amanda Haddingue comes out on stage as Janina and she begins talking and she has a beautiful speaking voice she really has she was captivating and it, it this is where the ted talk yeah esque thing comes from here because i did feel like we were going to have a bit of a um commentary about things and she was going to discuss things which she did but she herself what that set up was the fact that she will go in and out of the scene. Completely. So when she's at the microphone, she's talking to us. And later on in the second scene, I think other characters began to open up and came to the mic to talk openly. However... But we, she very, uh, very much captivated the audience when she walked, when she grabbed the mic, really. Yeah, well done for that input. <laughs> <laughs> Just rehashing everything I've just said. <laughs> Have you finished dunking your biscuit? Have you just woke up? Have Today's you... episode will be hosted by Stephen. <laughs> this is Stephen Sid, Richard podcast Will, Richard special Will. guest star, Richard Platt. Who will just what Stephen's already said. Mm. Well, if I needed an understudy. <laughs> hey, I'm the main event. <laughs> That's certainly the main understudy. So... <laughs> So once she began setting the scene, we then went into the start of the the sequence of events that would uh, follow the story along. And I think was it the first one? Was it at the table, or was it just a load of the ba- the extra cast came on, took to their seats, didn't they? They did, yeah. They they, they took to their seats and became part of almost the, the, the background of the production. Because what what we've not really mentioned is there was a black cloth behind the seating. And at the start, there was just the repeat repetition of the words that she was saying in certain elements across the back to highlight certain speeches she was giving and things like that. Oh, and, and they faded away, simply, didn't they? Yeah, they just faded away, but they were simply just... It was almost like the, the start of the storytelling, really. The rest of the cast at first became just part of that, yeah. that beginning, really. And it started with a bit of a poem... Yes, because it was, was it William Blake or Wordsworth? Oh no, um, there was a few though, a few different mentions of different. But it was, ma- it was mainly, I think it was Blake. Yeah, I think it was William Blake. They were recited mostly because it was one of the people that were living with her at the time. Yes, was oh no, was it a neighbour that she cooked meals for? He was writing or he was uh, analysing the poems of Blake. The actual novel takes its name from the, his poem, Proverbs of Hell. 
and each chapter opens with a quote from what one of his poems. So that's, that's right. Where yeah, so it is William Blake. This is William Blake. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's right. So right, I've got the. I've actually, I think I've got a poem book of William Blake somewhere on my bookcase somewhere. Can you see it? It's probably on the bottom shelf underneath. But anyway, this whole production, it's slightly, it's, it's a whole piece and it's difficult to break down into sections in terms of scenes because totally. it just, when you go to see it, you're so drawn into the whole piece and the story and the structure that I'm, I'm forgetting it scene by scene. You know, like if mm. it was a classic piece, you, I, I could get... Okay, so scene one is there, yeah, scene yeah, two is there, whatever. Yeah. Because of how it was done, it was very much merged yeah. and I into think... an ongoing thing. And I think like the beekeeper of Apollo. Yeah, but, yeah, no, yeah. not Apollo. Okay, why do I keep doing that? The beekeeper of Aleppo. It was a beekeeper, wasn't it? Not a bookkeeper. No. Beekeeper of Aleppo was slightly similar yes. in that sense, where I couldn't really remember where the beginning and the ending was. I think because on merged. paper there's so many little scenes within this. Yes. It's not, not just... It wasn't a, a traditional two two scenes in the first half, two scenes in the second half. Mm. You'd got probably 20, 30 scenes in the first and the second half yeah. that were all very small, all very sort of backed up by everything that happened on stage. And I think that's why, yeah, I'm going to use it, we went on a journey through this <laughs> this this main character's life yeah. in that period and time, and, and that was... That was what we were doing. And I think also with it being a bare stage at the beginning and then them introducing elements yes. bit by bit, yeah. I suffer sometimes in forgetting the first bits because it's not as memorable yeah, because yeah, there's course. nothing specific on stage yeah. for me to cling on to. Like I can remember in the second act where they had the party scene yeah. because of the extra bits yeah, on of, there, yeah. whereas yeah, the first yeah, exactly. few bits, because it had been bare staging... All I remember was it, it had the background, well, the, the ensemble cast with their arms up in the air like deer, antlers yeah. and things, and them merging to create these beasts in the, in, the in wildlife. The and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And that was quite uh, interesting and yeah. um, burning in your mind. Yeah, and I think it was it was a key production where... Was it a key? I don't know why I've said that. <laughs> it was a production where the cast around the central character were just as important as the main character because every few steps that she took she ended up in a different place or a different time period or you know yeah. it just if you didn't have that around her it would have just looked pointless and i think this was a, a fine example of basically bare stage theater mm. with chairs and there's a lot of people that have done it in different ways but this was a way to do it where it was actually quite dark and quite disturbing and and there do you was mean certain, the content piece or the yeah, well yeah but i think not just that some of the the cast didn't actually do anything in in full light some of the stuff you could barely see them but they were there Yes. And I think that's what I mean by darkness. It was like it was still giving you the imagery, but it was just in the background, and it very much was about her in the central sort of part of that production. Yeah, so you know? imagine her being in the spotlight, and the rest of the people were uh, setting up the scene, yeah. or they were bringing on the jacket for her to get changed into, or yeah. they were moving her about. So purely we to follow cast her shadows, about. or to you know, you know. yeah. In, in in essence, even though the rest of them had little to say in context to the am sheer amount that Amanda totally. had to deliver, yeah. they made up for it by being the props, the costumes, Definitely. the staging, the animals, yeah. the other characters and everything else. So uh, whereas she had just the one character yeah. 
to deliver the lines and to hold ground, hold court. Definitely. The other's got to be everything else. Yeah. And and they weren't overly changing costume or overly becoming different people. They were very reliant on very minimal type. I think the majority know. of them were in black costumes. Yeah, they were. Like yeah, and black hoodies and, big, and big, zips, uh, big, puffer jackets big or whatever. Big puffer jackets, mm. yeah. But it was enough to to create those different spaces and shapes that that she needed to to travel mm. around the and I think only the, area. the extra characters, um, like the actual writer, yeah, and then the neighbor, and also the neighbor's father, yeah. You know they were dressed up specifically. Oh, and the um, the botanist yes. as well. So they did have colourful clothes later. Well, we've just skipped straight to the costume. We have, <laughs> but I think I think as You're well. So this, what we're trying to say is, it's quite. There's a lot of restraint in the sense of they they covered those costumes up until only they were needed at that point. So mm. you almost got a burst of colour of that characters now appeared within the scene, but the That's minute the moment important. before they were still on stage. Just with everything covered with a big black black, yeah. black jacket on, and it was like they'd almost just turned round, whipped the jacket off, walked into the space, and became that next mm. character. And I think that was key to it. Yeah, I think that's indicative of being um, useful on stage without having a presence. Yes, exactly. It's slightly to how we've just described, or we've done the Pride and Prejudice where they were maids. Yes, um, walking at the back and you can take them for who they are just yeah, working yeah, exactly these were pretty much the same yeah just in black they were in essence like techies in a way well, just on stage yeah and techies or passing mm. passing pedestrians in the street it, you just felt they like just blended you know, into the, the dark just, background and there you, were there you'd weren't walk characters. through a street and there'd be people sat sat minding their own business and it felt like that you felt like they were just until they were needed they were they were on invisible but you knew that they were only going to be mm. used when required so and i think that was that was the the, the depth of it, it was really yeah. really well now if we can just move back to the writing mm. uh, this is based on a book um i have a feeling that neither of us have read it i've never read it no. i mean to be honest this is the first time i've even heard the title let alone mm. you know before i saw this i i know of complicity as a theater company yep. but i don't actually know anything about this this production as it and the title before. itself is really intriguing it and, is uh, slightly it's like disturbing and yes. gritty and uh, uh haunting it, and yeah. it, it has all those elements of it being like disgusting and yes. gritty. Uh, I've said that word before. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, for it, me, it does, doesn't it? Me personally, it sets the production on a really high pedestal for me before oh. you even see it. As in, if you read a title like this, yeah. you expect a level of sort of almost disturbingness does, yes. of, of a production. You want, if you're going to be confident in how you call it, yeah. you've got to live up to that that level because because you can't use things like this lightly if you're going to call it something quite hard hitting and i think yeah i think i think you're right there in that uh, remark you know well done you well (laughs) but no i think i think you know as a as a piece if if you don't commit to something like this it would Mm. be egg on your face really at the end of it because 
if if they hadn't have committed to doing a production like this, then you know. Well, let's just cut back to the wicked lady. Well, exactly. I mean, hello. Yeah. Well, this is it. This what is the where heck I'm going. What's that about? Yeah, exactly. That's supposed to be spooky and whatever. But the only spooky yeah. thing on that one was trying to actually park in the car park. Well, it, it's it's when when we go down the route of murder mysteries and if they're not Cluedo, and they're not and they're in end up in a middle ground, then you're not. You're neither here nor there. Well, that's Yeah, exactly. But I think, and that's where uh, that's where uh, you know, if you if you if you build something as being thrilling or mm. on edge or this that and the other, make it on edge, make it thrilling. Don't don't pussyfoot around things. And I yeah, think don't under deliver. Yeah, the impact of the title. Or exactly. Don't underestimate the impact. Of Unnerve the, title the as audience because well. that's mm. the whole point. You know, that's the yeah. You know, and boy, was this just phenomenal exactly all the way through um this re- reminded me of um a couple of shows we've seen where i've just been gripped mm, all totally. the way through to be honest and i mean one thing we'll say i mean i'm not saying no so something i'll say is that this production is a three-hour production yeah and you didn't really feel that the time went so quickly on this one because so much happened in such a you know everything there's so much dialogue and context in this that you just it doesn't seem to stop i mean as we say you know to have a lead character act out for basically the whole production all the way through mm. this was just it, it, not only confident but to be word perfect or and and to carry this off it doesn't it, it takes a, a, a lot of rehearsal yeah and there was a lot of um, there was a lot to this. Oh God, yeah. Um, if we go into the storyline as such, um, the um, <clears throat> Janina is sure that all these mysterious deaths are happening because of the animals. Yes. What? Well, they, they've got the police there investigating these disappearances as well, and Janina with her astrological beliefs and her activism she kind of insists that it's nature and the wildlife and the deer you know everyone has a time to die Hmm. and it's sort of written in the in the stars and we later eventually realize what truly has happened but in a way it's a play of revenge Hmm. And it's quite interesting to know that whilst you're going through this, you forget it's basically, it's a murder mystery. And it didn't clock on until the very end when in the first scene, there was a flash of photography come Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. And it was only a second. And I was sitting there thinking, that's that's there for a reason. That's important. Now, remember that three hours later, I forgot. (laughs) <laughs> because that's just me. But then when it flashed up at the end, when it was like the denouement of everyone explaining yeah, yeah, yeah. such and such and why, it's like, oh, okay, so that's it. It was like hunting trophies. Yeah. Trophy hunting. And What's the word? It, 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 yeah, trophy hunting. Trophy yeah. hunters. Yeah. I think yeah. they're not just that. Being proud that they've killed all these animals. Yeah, because I suppose from the start, you started realising, oh, this is a very dark production because we're yeah. going in the realms of, of animal cruelty, yes, abuse, and and we start. And they going didn't hold back with the images. Did no, they? far from it. Yeah, there was a lot of 
hard hitting. You you were hitting the face with a lot of things, and I think that was the that was the thing that mm. sometimes it would have took time to compute. And yeah, it's very was, provocative yes. in its uh, ability to drive the narrative, totally. not just direct it towards your doorstep. No, no, not at all. Uh, for engaging in the uh, the the conversation that they wanted to actually deliver but also with the whole message in a, in a whole way of getting out their activism and the fact that they want it to be like you can have war crimes and stuff like that they want the fifth crime to be ecocide so you've got uh war crimes then you've got genocide and and um crimes against humanity and crimes of aggression and they want it to be a fifth crime of ecocide yeah yeah of course which is crimes against um Animals, animal cruelty, and, and nature within yeah. the whole environment. Well, it's, it's like the setting. ecosystem of, of life, really, isn't it? I think yeah. that was that was I mean, what we're trying to see. There's areas in the UK where it's like badger calling or whatever, but yeah. because of things being overpopulated. But then, or you you can't do that anymore. I can't remember what what it was. I, I, I remember watching it on Je- uh, Clarkson's farm that it was getting a bit too much. Yeah, I think uh, as well. It's it, it's showing that the sport of hunting animals mm. or the sport of glamorizing it is that you know that's what we mm. were sort sort of seeing the repercussions of of that really and i think you know it was and glorifying also, it, yes. you know, it, was, it was it was highlighting the glorification of of animal hunting and, but also know. what it, it brought to the attention of everyone sitting in the uh, auditorium that these animals they know they sense danger yeah. they fear danger yeah. and when they die there's a family there yeah, exactly. where they want revenge. Yeah. And sometimes we don't think that. No. You know, you, especially these people who go around shooting animals, defenseless animals, just for sport. Yeah. There's a whole, like, um, family network of um, uh, deers, elephants and all these uh, animals that are missing out on that personality of that elephant because they do have personalities. They really do. Within themselves. And we forget that. And I think it was slightly touched upon... The play we saw there previously, Village Idiots, yeah. when they're doing the HS2 through the farmland. Yeah, yeah, of farmland. course, same sort of... Because yeah. they, in a way, had the whole animals come through the forest, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what this piece did. Yeah. and it... With uh, dressing up as animals and yeah. stuff. And on this particular piece, they wore just masks for some elements of the animals. But like we said previously with the deers, they held their arms up to be the antlers. Yeah. So... Now we've sort of well, we've not really described the story as much, but it was, it was ending up to be a murder mystery. Although you did yeah. forget that halfway through. Yeah, and I th- but it had a clear message. Yeah, I, I mean, in a way, it was very Orwell esque. Mm. A lot of it, you know, there's a lot of elements you could draw on reference to. Almost, you could apply this to other settings, and it 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 was it was a control and you know, greed, and, you know, there's a lot of things happening in this that you could see. I think the cleverness about it was the fact that you don't realise it's a murder mystery. No. Because it doesn't begin in any way. I mean, you know there's a death. However, it doesn't appear that this is an investigative thing in terms of, like, a normal whodunit no, in terms no, exactly. you know. Yeah, it's not like your, your traditional midsummer murders or your, your those those things. I mean, I don't know about you, Stephen, but I felt that I was sitting in an uncomfortable feeling audience. There was an element of 
Because it had the jokes. Yeah, it had um, the jokes. And it had uh, a lot of um, heart to it. And I think with the people I was sat next to, I think they were engaged yes. in it. And, and I, they, I, they laughed when they should laugh. But then yeah. I think the moment there was images of those the animals, yeah. I think that's when it was like a slap in the face. Yeah, And, and but, they were like, ooh. ooh. Yeah, and in a way, and, and I don't use uncomfortable in a bad way. I mean... They're probably disturbed It, 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 it feels... But, that it was pitched at a point where it is making people think mm. and it is making people reflect on things and look at things maybe differently. And for me, that's what theatre's there for. This is an uh, example of a piece of stagecraft that makes you f- sit back and question. And Everybody sat in that room, you could feel the sense of, what, where are we going with this? I think or it's because it was a cross or... between a play and a yeah, presentation. Definitely. And when they used the images, it then became like a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. But it wasn't in a bad way where they were But it were was a classy TED talk almost. Yes. You know. But it was just basically in the background yeah. to enforce the fact that... Because sometimes when people say things of like, um, oh, I've, I've shot such and such deers or whatever, it's like, okay... But you don't visually see it no. in your mind. You can switch that off. You can blank it out. Yeah. Whereas if you've got the dead carcasses of these animals up on the screen, yeah, you can't look away. I mean, you can no. choose to look away, but they present it in a way where this is it. This is what's happening. This is the car crash. This, this is, is what the, we're yeah. talking about here. And that's because, really pissed. Do you know what that is? That's key. It is key. That's key. But I think there's something that in a maybe a UK audience aren't prepared for that in a way because. Nothing was held back. Everything was put there for you to see. You know, we 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 live in a world in the media that we are almost protected from the bad and the 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 sort of almost disgusting or images that might provoke a reaction. In in yeah. a lot of things like you've got curfews, you've got things like you're so used to not seeing things. I mean, I remember spending some time in Australia and watching the news and being shocked that there was there was a murder on a street in an area in, in Australia and the news presenter was actually showing you the blood splats on the concrete mm. at the murder scene. Now, if that was in the UK, we, yeah, we don't we'd have that kind of stuff, probably we? 10 metres away from the murder scene. All you'd be seeing is the tent. You wouldn't actually ever be shown the murder, murder on the floor. You wouldn't show anywhere where the blood mm. was. And that's where this was. this production was going... I'm going to show you those images. Even if I'm going to flash you up, flash them up, I'm going to unnerve you mm. and show you reality because that's what this felt like. I think it's a very much, much grown up and um, a rightful way of doing it. Yeah, I agree with that. I kind of, I don't think it's right in a way to say that the UK audiences probably don't accept it or don't no, see it. No, but no. I, I know where you're yeah. going with that. I think I, it's more that there's there's a lot more maybe censorship in the sense of not going too far in media or things that yeah. you're not used to seeing because they'll show you something but they won't go in fully to show yeah. you, you know. But like not patronising uh, the audience no. at all. No, no, no. To add on that, I think it can take some people time to adjust to understand what it is that they're seeing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And when we were in the interval, we did hear, well, I certainly overheard a couple of people of a certain age. They clearly had been theatre goers. Yeah. And they said the central actress, she captivated and led it. But other than that, they were a bit clueless and lost as to what 
it was about, about and that it was yeah. a bit long-winded. And yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. even at the interval, it's like, you haven't got the point, you don't get it. Yeah. You don't. I don't think you sort of understand this kind of no, theatre. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, maybe she would have preferred the um, Rogers and Hammerstein South Pacific that we saw. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, but I think there's a generation of audience members of that will completely get this. Yeah. You know, and, and see it for what it is. And also, I know I've been blabbing on a bit, this is a kind of um, activism that I appreciate. Yeah. There's a lot of activism these days which is just a bit like fluff, hot air, and yeah. just for the sake of it, you know, no one's an actor anymore, they're all activists. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, no, 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 you're yeah, not. Yeah. No, no, you're no, just But you never, you know, for me, theatre is there to challenge and mm. is there to, to push boundaries. And I think... Unfortunately, what we've seen maybe following the pandemic is a lot of the productions out there have been safe options. There's been a lot of theatre out there at the moment that that have been productions that have put bums on seats rather than Just actually to get the challenge. money back in because yeah, they, they to, to recoup, took a big which hit. is totally understandable. Yeah. But then that means that an audience hasn't always been prepared or ready to see things that are more challenging, and I think that's as well. You know, there's, there's, that's why this stands out because there's less out there at the moment that mm. has challenged audiences, and I think you know it takes time, but, but I think it's great to see this type of production back in the world that we need to. You need to challenge mm. an audience. You need to put them on edge. You need to, you know, they're, they're few and far between, and you know, hats off to them for for taking massive risks really to to put a production like this together. And whilst it's so easy to forget what's going on in the world or all these other things, yeah. you know, coming to see shows like this, it when you leave, you didn't think, oh, that was a wonderful piece of theatre and that's it. No. It etched in the back of my mind is what it is they're talking of about. Course. Yeah, yeah, every yeah, time exactly. I see an animal, I see more than yeah. just something that's going to be like meat on a plate or yeah, something that's going course. to get shot or whatever. You know, yeah. you see, in a way, the the human side, to their suffering, yeah. even though that probably sounds a bit arrogant, but it's the animals. No, no, not at all. Because we're all animals, yeah. really. They're, they're, all, they're all part of a food chain. Well, yeah. it's not just about being food, it's about being alive. Mm. Yeah. There's a life there, a living, breathing thing that has feelings, that has connections, yeah. that, you know, gets excited about certain things and whatever. And just for mere humans to take that life away, yes. just for a bit of fun, you know, that, that has a long-lasting thing in your life. And I think if you can see something like that and take something from that without yeah. just saying, oh, that was a lovely piece of theatre, thank you, well done. Yeah. You know, that's you know. that's where this has done so much. Yeah, and it, and for me, for it, it, when you leave, it makes you a little disorientated, really, as in I've now got to compute and process what I've well, watched. I think, and I think, well, I think the... this is the one where in the car journey on the way back, we was like gasped as to yeah. well, where, what, 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 where, where do we start with this? And this, yeah, this is and not just that. You're almost, I don't actually know what I can talk about yet. Yeah. I think it's one of those pieces where, because I have a thing when I do festivals or I go to see a lot of theatre in a short space of time where I have to have, if I've seen something quite hard-hitting, I have to have a minute. Oh, do you make notes? If, or? Well, I, I don't always make notes. It's just that moment of, like, I actually don't just don't, I don't know what to think, so I've got to just almost... Are you, like, like overly dramatic? Like, <gasps> don't speak. 
speak to me. Speak. No, not really. I think oh, it's more I, just. I, I thought you would be. I think it's more when you walk from one production to another and you've like one you've come out and it's really good and you've enjoyed it and it's been a fun piece of theatre. But if it's something like this that's like actually hit a nerve, you've got to almost go. I might talk about this later. This is something that I can't even write but down. Do you go because... into a second show at the festival still processing the first one so you don't pay attention to the second? No, one? not necessarily because I've got oh. used to sort of almost switching off. switching it off but I think it's That's acknowledging right. that I need to now park that because I've took a whole lot of things in from this production mm. that I'd need to. And that's what this left you feeling like. You're like, whoa, I've had, there's so much my brain's had to take in in a good way. You know, this is the, you know, this is mm. the thing. If, if it does that to me, then I know that it's going to be something I'll talk about for a lot longer than one that is maybe a bit like, well, it was all right. But mm. it's nothing grand, groundbreaking, you know, and I think that's that's the difference. Now, let's talk about the directing of this. Yeah. Because there's a lot to uh, still plough our way through, if you look excuse yep. the uh, uh, stupid little pun there. Well, so I think uh, Simon McBurney did a fantastic, phenomenal piece of work here in terms of dealing with all the intricacies of getting things on and off stage and how they Completely. deliver lives, how they move about on stage how they perform and it's just incredible it was a masterpiece of it's like it's the second one now where it is like a masterpiece of everything it, it must have been such a strange subject to start and work out what to do with this piece when it was written mm. and when the director started thinking about what he, what he was going to do with the production it must have been such a process to create this because it's almost when we talk about blank canvases that's pretty much what you could have done this on because without mm. the projections, everything was pretty much bare open stage and a few chairs. So the world's your oyster a little bit, but mm. then to pull this off as a as a production piece, this, I mean, it, it's done an amazing job, really. Well, I'd just like to point out that in the uh, programme, it says that um, um, his wife, Cassie, introduced him to the Stop Ecoside campaign in uh, 2016 so i think his passion for that yeah. and that campaign lives through and used perhaps i don't know if he's what he's done beforehand but used this play as a to spearhead yeah. those views and an outlet to get yes. to get the message out really yeah and and also and you see all, through all everything is uh, yeah totally. well you that. can tell there's research you can tell that there's there's a lot of effort gone into the work before actually performing this. Yes. You know, and I think that, that pays off when, when you're doing something so specific in its in its sort of subject. Mm. You know, and I think that's that's where this shows the the direction. I mean, wow, yeah, like you say, there's so much movement, so much going off all at once you know i quite liked the piece where it was the disco part where they brought the well first off there's like a ceiling came not a ceiling a, a wall came down which was it had like windows yes in, in between each like yeah I say block of water well the, the black the, uh, the black set the, went behind the line bits yeah yeah, yeah, behind, no, I mean. so then it did leave like a doorway. Yes. So therefore, that was the inspector's office because it had sort of like a light shine on it, so yeah. it like blinds, and they used it also in the disco scene. So when they went like through the door, the so smoking like the area. Yeah, like, there was like, a disco yeah. inside, and then it was reversed yeah. for when they were moving about, which yeah. was I, it was clever. It was very clever, clever set that didn't change. Yeah, and there wasn't actually much set, but there was a lot of technical 
aspects of this production, which yeah, which we'll talk about later. But but I think it it was heavily dependent on projections and things that reinforced the spaces, the places, and everywhere that Mm. they were. I mean, in a way, you could have done it without all of that, but it wouldn't have enhanced it to the level it did. Mm. And this is key for this type of production. Is it key? Yeah, it's the key. But the direction of this to specifically use minimal set, because even though there was the glass windows with the door in it, that was it. Mm. Apart from a bit of set staging, because really, yeah, it was a raised black stage with chairs and a few and a few bits of set. That that was it. Really, Mm. there wasn't anything. Only as very minimal anyway throughout the whole production. So I think to have that confidence to direct it in that way and stand by it and push through and get it to where they've got it it's just just amazing really moving on to our next segment as we say we're here Here for for the the drama so i would like to do a big shout out to amanda hadding oh completely because she kept the whole pace of it throughout the whole entire run she was energetic she was funny she just every little character detail was just amazing and she's got such a rich voice as well it just held itself and with the rest of them they were they worked well as an ensemble as well Completely. and i think you know there were some a lot of funny things um within the cast yeah some ca- characteristics like the neighbor as well yeah the priest the, the, the priest yeah it was the neighbor and his son who's in the police force as well there was yeah. some like funny witty exchanges of dialogue and things and it was just always moving yeah it never it just you know. didn't stop and i think it was oh and the lady who um this was a nice scene where amanda was explaining how she introduced her she got introduced to the lady who had a nickname because she she had all her friends as a nickname and this particular um, lady was, um, she worked in like a charity shop or a clothes shop. Yes. I can't think, well, I can't think of her nickname now. However, she, um, oh, oddballs and dizzy and um, big foots. I think for me as well, Amanda was constantly on the actual script and there wasn't a scene she wasn't in. Mm. And I think we, you know, to be on stage for three hours solid and always on, and always are the focus of the production. She must have been exhausted after this, because, and it must have took some time to sort of wind down from it almost, because there was so much to get out and so many things to do that she had to do, and there was no real scene changes, as it were. There was no real blackouts next scene. There was no pause or wait. It was always on. It was Mm. always focused on her, and I think that... That said a lot about this production. Yeah, and the the background artists or the supporting cast, I should say, although they all worked as a team, um, their characters when they did get to speak, like the the lady with the bald head. Yeah, I can't think of a name now. No, um, she came to the mic and she spoke about her story and how she was got her name and and everything and. They all gave such strong performances yeah. and it was both delicate and funny and the, no one was, like, miscast or anything, like, odd no. or weird. And out of a cast of ten people, mm. there was not any let-up in any of their performances. Everybody committed and everybody was where they needed to be, when they needed to be, and it was very much 
when somebody had finished being one person, the next minute their coat would be on and they were doing other things with other people. And little things where something is simple as coat hangers came down from the ceiling yeah they all hung their jackets on them they all flew up into the sky and then that that was the that set the scene and for the next sort of moment but it was the cleverness of that then only being used again that where those coats were dropped down in the second half but the coats that were dropped down were all animal furs that were for the the scene that was in the party where the disco where everybody was yeah. wearing masks but it was never used again and it was just the symbolicness of that being the only time it was used they didn't keep using it because they got it and done it it was like just for when it was needed and i think that was important for this as mm. well moving on to our next segment as we say what the tech is this so richard you said earlier on that this was very tech heavy which it was yes um, where do we begin? Well, good luck to where you could find the tech because mm. the way they'd hidden it and spread it around the audience as well as the stage, because obviously Stephen was sat at the back. Yeah, I was sat at the back, yeah. And I was sat closer to the front and there were speakers wired everywhere around um, the, we, the audience. We have, ins, inside inf, in, we have insider information that yes. they set up themselves and bought their own speakers. Yeah, and they set up a lot of technical mm. aspects, as in, you know, they they had at least two projectors being used on the, the, the stage. So to actually give a bit of depth with project, projections, it wasn't just one projection for all the pieces that we saw they were actually using a projector in front of a of the 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 sort of black cloth screen that we saw and then the windows and the door but then behind that was another projection so that you could have multiple projections overlaying each other to create a sense of depth and movement that I don't think has been used a lot before, and I think mm. it's something that should be explored more because that felt more rich and more specific than a lot of productions where they just rely on a back projection that just fills the, the back wall, whereas mm. this was actually playing with double layer of projections, and I think mm. it was showing... Like the the zodiac part where the zodiac was that moving was in front that was. and then behind was different scenes and it, it just made it feel because it's very it's like interactive, easy. wasn't it? Yeah, it's like in, a, a, not a PowerPoint yeah, presentation in that way. Very interactive, but it's also very easy to rely on projections to fill the gap, shall yeah. we say? Whereas they use this to be creative and clever with it to actually make you feel like it was depth because you, you and there was a bit where she was like falling through the void in space yes and she was lying down and she was moving clockwise yes and it was it now i want to know how they do this so i'm going to ask yeah how, how did, did they, they do that in the scene where we see amanda lying on the floor yeah. rotating around yeah. as if she's going down a star field yeah but we watch her image yeah. on the screen like a big TV yes. and we see the outline of, of her. her doing it. So what what's happening, there's a camera 
put above stage mm-hmm. onto her because they know they're going to be using that. So that'll be a live feed into the computer system to actually then yeah. edit that live. So when it's projected, it actually I've seen it done in other productions as well. Where and they, it wouldn't have been pre-recorded. No, because then it would have looked off. Yeah, because the movement of the arms and things to match what was happening on stage would yeah. have looked completely. Because I was looking to see if everything was right, and she yeah. was. But I yeah. mean, that could have been choreographed. I could don't have, know, but... it could have. But I have seen it done live, where yeah. there is literally, it, it doesn't have to be anything amazing in the cameras specifically, because, in a way, it was quite a distorted image of her on mm. the screen. It wasn't a per. It was just like an outline it was of the body. Outline, it yeah, so, like so it would be picking up a black and white image of her and then editing that live mm. within that that program at that point. So yeah, and, and and that just adds more depth to that production, to that style of show because it was actually in a way very black and white in imagery. Mm. The product production was very sort of grayscale, and they only use color to enhance the cast really i feel mm. that unless it was a moment like the 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 church scene where before the church was burned out yes we they burnt a church down within this production <laughs> um but yeah they they had the stained glass and stuff like that 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 gave you they were very clever in the design of it lighting wise and and, and projection wise to only show color when it was necessary a little bit like the poster which is bright red mm. and black with with Sort of very impactful, very yeah, very very image driven, but very controlled. Yeah, controlled. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and that's for me, where the poster and the production lived up to each other. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter how good your poster is if your production doesn't live up to it, you feel deflated because. But also, you know, I I think that's important. Yes, and the fact that it was mostly a black and white thing to have the. The program the poster be read, yes, just is indicative of blood. Exactly. So that's where the whole everything was like tied up and married very yeah. neatly together. And you feel like you need to see the blood to see to for it to match with the. To understand, you know, yeah. And, it, and they did, and that's that's the that's the key. Yeah, because it's about dropping new blood. Definitely. Going back to the sound effects, there wasn't anything sort of overly used sound effects. They used a lot to enhance, say the dull sound of the of a disco or mm. you know so it's behind glass so you, they did a lot of work of positioning sound in the right areas on stage or in the audience because there was a few moments where birds flew across and out mm. into the audience but they flew across and out into the audience I and, remember there being some heavy bangs or a lot of bass yeah. going on yeah. to underpin a certain moment in the production yeah. To fill the, the silences with more intrigue and thrill, and mm. you know, and I think that that helped a lot when it came to adding more power to to the whole piece, really. Yeah, and with the lighting of uh, flashes, they flashed the audience a few times, and I don't mean the actors; I mean with the no. lights, as in camera yes. things. And when they were doing that, I instantly thought they were taking our pictures. Yes, like yeah. we were being like targeted in a way. Yeah. And it gave like an unnerving feeling. Yeah. Like what what are they using this for? Yeah, and it's also a good way to cleanse an audience's palette ready for the next scene as well. Mm. By doing that and distracting you from the stage. Yeah. You almost don't see the scene change or the, the quick change or the things yeah. that happen. So it it makes you focus more on things by doing that as mm. well. Is there any other um pieces of technical details that I've probably forgotten? 
can you think? I wouldn't say there was technical things because this wasn't really technical, but... Well, it had a lot of visual it, effects. It was, but things. there was a moment where it wasn't really a technical moment. It was more when Amanda walked into the audience and was in the audience. Oh, yeah. They didn't even purposely like her. And mm. it was like she felt... You felt like she was in the audience with you. One of us. There was no... There was no. She she blurred. She crossed into the past the fourth wall and walked into the audience, and you almost felt like she could have sat with you, and mm. you could have had a conversation with her. It didn't. It, you'd no point did you think that this is all about me? But even though it was, and it was, it was really sort of a key bit of if you've <laughs> got a time technically key with technical direction and and directors. It's easy to go for the cliched, oh, you've got to light all the actors at all times. You've got to do this at all times. You've got to see them in the best light. Sometimes it's good not to. Mm. And sometimes it's good to break that and change that. And I think that's where this production was key with all of that. You know. Mm. And now it's time for... Rewind Rewatch. I think for me, I'd watch it again in its entirety. It's hard to pick a specific part out. I would see it again. However, I, I'd have to have more time apart from it. Yes. To see it again. Yeah, yeah totally agree to pick with that. Things up again. Um, I suppose, in essence, it's a bit like how I felt about Blood Brothers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Like the Book of Mormon or Pride and Prejudice, sort of, I could instantly see it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, I wouldn't, even though I rave it just as highly, if totally. not higher, I couldn't see it again. Not just because of the longevity of it, but because of no, the. No, no, of course not. Because of it, I suppose. I would rewind and rewatch near enough the ending. Yes. From around the party scene. Yes. Onwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely one for people to go and see. Moving on to our final segment, as we say, Call This A Show. I think it's a production that I'm still thinking about today, mm. which is a very good thing. Yes. It's left an imprint of how this type of theatre should be done and... It's almost set a bar for me. If you get a chance to see this and have got an opened, open mind for theatre, this is really up your street. It'll be up anybody's street to actually make the time and go and see it. For me, this was a work of art, and yeah. I wouldn't use that lightly. No. Uh, there's been a few productions where I, I thought it was... Uh, well, I thought they've been uh, phenomenal and stuff, but this is just phenomenal in a very different way. This is just thrilling exciting engaging compelling and it just it's it is a lesson this is more of a production of a lesson mm. it's storytelling that you you come away thinking i was actually entertained by that as well as it being a piece of information yeah exactly but you get conned i feel like you get conned into believing it's one thing but then it's another yeah. and then it's another yeah total misdirect Yes. Because what you've probably realised is we're not giving away the ending because we don't feel we no, should. exactly. It's not right. Yeah. But, but because it, that's the play element of it. It is, totally. And that's the best bit about it. Well, not the best bit about it. I mean, that's, you know, what I'm living for in a yes. way. But the whole, the way about it and how they got to there yeah, was awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Could I have your scores then, please? Four, drive your plough over the bones of the dead, Richard, on a scale of one to ten, with ten being an agreeable death and one being a sixth crime of theatre side. What's it going to be? It can only be a ten out of ten. 
because yeah, it's, it's still le- still imprinted in my brain and it's still something that I'm thinking about now. And it's a 10 out of 10 for me because this was awesome. So what sound effect will you be choosing from the following? A complete train wreck? Tumbleweed? An audible shrug of the shoulders? Uh? A slow clap? A pleasant applause? Or a standing ovation? What will it be? Standing ovation. I think if, I, if I'd have had another half an hour sat in the audience, I might have stood up and gave it applause. I think it was one of those productions that I sat almost in the days at the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Standing ovation from me in the back seat as well, because where I was right at the back. And yeah, that was well deserved. If you get to see it, if you get a chance to see it, go and see it. Yeah, go and see it. So there we are. That's our discussion of Drive Your Plough Over the Bones of the Dead. We hope you found it insightful. If not, entertaining. Stay tuned as we bring you more of our thoughts and opinions on many theatrical delights in future episodes. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at upstagedownstagepod at gmail.com. You can always join in the chat to share with us your views of a production. Also, make sure to follow, share, like and subscribe to all our channels so you get every episode the second it's released. And we hope you join us again for another instalment of Upstage Downstage. World-renowned company, Complicity. I, I meant Complicity, but T came out. It's because you want the cat on. <laughs> Return to our stage with a brand new production based on a Nobel Prize-winning writer, Olga Tokar, Olga Tokarchuk. Tokarchuk's world-renowned company. Well, yeah, Directed by Simon McBurley. McBurney. It's because the cursor was there. It looked like an L. Based on Nobel Prize-winning writer Olga Olga Tokar. Olga, Olga, t- <laughs> why is it okay? Why am I putting Qatar. a K in there? Qatar. <laughs> in the depths of winter, in a small community on a remote Polish mountainside, Polish, Polish, 